I'm not interested in being a public figure. I wish my my name was never out there. That I that all you weren't here. That my that people wouldn't recognize me when I walk down the street in Harrisburg. I get no pleasure out of that. That's not my thing. I'm not particularly interested in exerting power. Throw me in the landfill. Don't think about the consequences. Throw me in the dirt pit. Don't think about the choices that you make. Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm Zoe Chase. And I'm Hannah Jaffe-Walt. Today is Tuesday, April 3rd, and that was the man who was appointed to run the city of Harrisburg, the capital of the state of Pennsylvania that you heard at the top of the show. His name is Dave Unkivik. Today, the man that does not want power, he is given a large amount of power, ultimate power actually, over the city of Harrisburg. Today on the show, what drove this man crazy? That's in a minute after the Planet Money Indicator from Jacob Goldstein. Jacob, what do you have for us? Today's Planet Money Indicator is 53.4. The Purchasing Managers Index for March was 53.4. So Purchasing Managers Index, this is it's a measure really of how the manufacturing sector is doing. It's based on this big survey. And if the number is over 50, it means the manufacturing sector is expanding, is growing. And so this latest number, 53.4, it tells us that in March, the manufacturing sector was indeed growing. Which is a good thing. Sure, yeah. So this is a survey of manufacturers, which also is sort of like the consumer confidence survey. It's always a little hard to know, like when you ask people how they feel about things, what that actually means. Does it mean anything? That's a that's a fair question. Surveys are, are good things to be wary of. But this particular survey, it is pretty solid. They ask detailed questions about orders and inventory and delivering. And the people who are answering basically say they're worse, they're the same, they're better. You know, it's not like they're saying how they feel. And the other thing, and really the sort of bottom line thing about this index, is it is pretty good as an early indicator of how the economy is doing. It comes out much, much faster than other big indicators like GDP, which takes many months and then is revised again and again. And it does end up tracking pretty closely with how the overall economy is doing. So this March Purchasing Managers Index of 53.4, this is yet another sign that the economic recovery is sort of chugging along, is is doing okay. Okay. I like the happy indicators. I like a happy economy. Thank you, Jacob. Thanks. Okay. So on to the podcast. The man that you heard at the top, Dave Unkivik, he's the center of our show. And he is a mild-mannered, bow-tie-wearing, gentle fellow. He's a gentle soul. But I want to tell you right now that he has disappeared. Right now, no one knows where he is. And Dave Unkivik was put in charge of Harrisburg. He has fled, and all he has left behind is a scrawled, handwritten note. Zoe, you spent a lot of time with Unkivik a couple weeks ago, so we're going to hear from him on this podcast in just a couple minutes. But before we get to that, I think we need to talk about what is likely to have drove him out of town, what is likely to have drove this sane man mad. It all starts with an incinerator. Welcome to the almost 300 and $50 million in debt Harrisburg uh, incinerator. You see the trucks sort of lining up and coming in. If we were to go in and follow them, you'd see this huge, huge mound of trash. The Harrisburg incinerator is a fire-breathing, money-destroying monster, and the incinerator debt is an albatross around the city's neck. I drove out to see it with Eric Pappenfuss, and he used to be one of the people in charge of the incinerator. So he took me around the back of it, where it was a little more peaceful. Let's just sit on one of these things. Yes, let's sit on the pressure vent alternating. Sure. 
<laughs> Watch out for the rusty nails. Okay. It's true. This field behind the incinerator, it's littered with old machinery, basically parts of the incinerator that don't work, like old insulation, steel tubing. What went wrong with the Harrisburg incinerator, it's all around us. You're basically standing in a field that tells the story of Harrisburg's demise. Exactly. Okay, so so let's just tell that story really quickly. The incinerator was built 30 years ago, and basically it has never worked right. It has always been a disaster. At first it didn't work right, and what did Harrisburg do about it? They borrowed money to fix it. And that didn't work, so they borrowed more money, and that didn't work. Over time, more and more parts of the incinerator end up back in this field where we're sitting. And by the turn of the millennium... Harrisburg actually got the incinerator working well. They finally had their incinerator. They were finally burning trash. And then the EPA comes in and says, this is too polluting. This thing that you borrowed millions of dollars to build, you have to shut it down. That's when the doubling down occurs. That's when they say, we will double the debt and we will expand the incinerator. When the EPA has shut it down, the mayor of Harrisburg decides, let's use new, exciting incinerator technology to totally remake the thing. (laughs) And right now, that sounds like a totally crazy thing to do. But the idea was that the incinerator would pay for itself. If they could get it up and running and successful, it would start paying for its existence. Exactly. And as we sat here behind the incinerator, like I saw these trucks pull in. And every time the trucks pull in, they pay money to drop off their garbage. And in theory, the more trash the incinerator can burn, the more money it can make. The problem was this project was so laden with debt that even if everybody in Harrisburg and probably even if everybody in Pennsylvania and New Jersey came to get their trash burned here, it probably could never pay back all the debt. And, of course, eventually, uh, the money comes due. Eric Papenfu says that by 2010, the incinerator debt had ballooned to $300 million plus. And the city, no matter how well the incinerator is doing, there is no way they can pay that money back. In the battle between city and its incinerator, the incinerator wins. The debt is just overpowering. And this is the end of the dream of Harrisburg as a trash capital. The voters tossed the mayor out. The city tried to throw itself into bankruptcy. And the state of Pennsylvania said, no, we have a different idea. Our idea, we're going to put David Unkovic in charge. David Unkovic, a 30-year veteran in public finance, is Governor Tom Corbett's choice as receiver for the city of Harrisburg. I now am working for the state, and I'm going to do... uh, my best job to come up with the best plan for the city. Four months ago, into the chaos walks this sweet guy, calm, rational, the occasional bow tie, glasses. He's respectful. He's humble. And most of all, in a city that felt lied to by so many public officials, he was honest. People had made these big promises to fix the city, and they'd never worked. Unkovic wasn't like that. And you think you can get this city out of debt? I don't say I am going to do anything. I think a lot of people have to help get this city turned around. But, yeah, I think it can happen. Unkovic is a municipal bond lawyer. He's got no experience running a city, but lots of experience dealing with city finances. And he actually volunteered for the job. He's weirdly passionate about Pennsylvania. And I don't know how you can be weirdly passionate about Pennsylvania as a person from Pennsylvania. Sorry, You can Philly. only be weirdly passionate about Pennsylvania. <laughs> You're being weird right now and passionate. <laughs> 
But he shared your passion for Pennsylvania, and the state capitol was in trouble. So he showed up here. He got a new office. He filled it with pictures of baseball players and American presidents, especially ones who are good at working with their rivals, ones who are good at handling conflict. These are busts of Lincoln, right? I have a Lincoln fetish. And uh, Lincoln, 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 Lincoln. So he gets to Harrisburg with all his things. He unpacks, looks around, and quickly finds that things are worse than he thought. There's the incinerator, and everybody in Harrisburg knew about that. People outside of Harrisburg knew about that. But there are lots of other debts as well. The money the mayor had borrowed, it didn't actually all go to burning trash. Some of it went to various special projects for the former mayor. One obsession the former mayor had was to make Harrisburg a cultural capital with all these museums. And so he had actually bought these crazy artifacts from all over. He wanted to make a Wild West museum in Harrisburg. So he had Buffalo Bill's cane and Doc Holliday's dental chair, like all this stuff piled in a warehouse. Trash capital and also cultural capital. Exactly. And you saw the artifacts, right? I did. They're all sort of stacked haphazardly in a warehouse right next to the incinerator. And they are never going to be displayed in Harrisburg. They're being auctioned off to deal with the debt. Okay, so let's tally up what Dave Unkivik has found. Total debt for the city of Harrisburg, half a billion dollars. And that is a city of 50,000 people. So that's a huge operating deficit. And you know, and I checked it out, it actually has more debt per capita than any city in the country. Poor Pennsylvania. You know, Unkovic also found what looked like some pretty shady deals in the way that a lot of the debt was financed. Like money moved around from project to project, but even as he's discovering how kind of sketchy some of this looks, at least with me, he was hesitant to pass judgment. Things have been pushed off for a long time, and they can't be pushed off anymore. The city simply doesn't have enough money. You know, a a lot of governments try one-time fixes for those sorts of things, which the city of Harrisburg has done too. But at some point, you run through the one-time fixes, and then you just have to deal with the problems. That sounds very diplomatic. That's his style. Okay, so Unkivik goes through, he finishes sort of assessing the situation, and he comes up with this 200-page plan, right? And this is his plan to get the city out of debt. And Zoe, we're looking at it, I think we can sum it up by basically saying the plan includes four things. Number one, raise taxes. Number two, cut union benefits. Number three, ask the creditors to take a loss, basically say all that money we owe you, we can't pay it all back. And number four, sell city assets, the water treatment plant, the infamous incinerator, sell that stuff, which tragically I have to say about the incinerator is actually running very well at the moment. So it's going to make a lot of money for somebody else, not for Harrisburg. But Unkovic, who believes deeply in the potential of reasoned debate, he takes this 200-page plan and he presents it to everybody in Harrisburg who will listen. I mean, that's the goal of the plan, is to deal with the incinerator debt. Um, it's one of the main focuses of the plan. I went to a public meeting at Eric Papenfuss's bookstore in Midtown Harrisburg. The mayor was on one side, a city councilwoman was on the other side, and Unkovic sat in the middle. And people were really trying to figure out how to manage this problem. Their entire city is underwater. So there would be, you know, the earnestly pragmatic suggestion. We'd ask that Mr. Unkovic consider not selling the water treatment plant because $10 gained today will lose $1,000 tomorrow. The single issue solutions, like this woman believes the answer to the debt problem, marijuana. 
Well, I believe in the three R's. The revenue remedy is reefer. And I have some information to back this up. But the reality of just not having enough money is summed up in this exchange right here. Here's Mayor Linda Thompson answering a question about police. If I had the money, I would hire more police officers to make sure that we hire 25 a year. So the more money we get in, the more money will go to public safety, and I'm not going to back down from that. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Unkovic? Uh, I, I don't have anything to add to that. Do we have the money? <laughs> uh, public safety is, is obviously the most important duty of, of government, so I, I do recognize that. The economic reality is that in the long run, this, the city's revenues and expenditures have to match. Zoe, that is an Abraham Lincoln fan's way of saying no. Exactly. And it sounded at the meeting like Unkovic had things pretty well under control, but he didn't quite. The problem with a plan where everybody has to pay is a lot of people don't want to do that. And everybody has to pay. (laughs) Exactly. And Unkovic seemed to think that if he very logically and rationally presented this plan, everybody would jump on board. As we walked away from the meeting, I I asked him about that. Do you feel like people like your plan? Um, I don't think like's the right word. I mean, it's it's got a lot of pain in it. So ultimately, it, it... it has a chance of working if, if they view it as being fair. But mm-hmm. uh, it asks for a lot from a lot of people, so I don't think anybody in particular likes it. It's the conversations with the unions that can be the hardest, he says. And I met up with one of them, this guy Eric Jenkins. He's the head of the firefighters union at the Keystone Diner in town. Yes, we have good benefits, but we damn well earn them. Everybody in this room is not open to running into a building that's burning. I am. You guys are going to have to take some cuts, right? We'd have no problem. In our first meeting with this this receiver, the first question I asked him is, what kind of numbers are you looking for? Across the table from Jenkins at breakfast is this other guy, Nevin Mindlin. He ran for mayor on the Republican ticket last time around. Unkovic as a human being is a very, seems like a very decent soul. But I was telling Eric before you got here that Patrick Henry's line during the revolution was, Suffer not thyself to be betrayed by a kiss. Minlin and Jenkins have decided to fight back. He and Jenkins are suing to get the receiver removed, saying having a technocrat in charge of an American city is totally undemocratic. And they name Unkovic in the lawsuit. They want him out of there. And for Harrisburg, I mean, this isn't unusual, right? This kind of fight, you know, in city politics, especially in Harrisburg, which sort of has a reputation for being kind of scrappy, is not that surprising, you know, This is sort of the normal rough and tumble. Unkovic spent his life as a lawyer and a history buff. And when you hear him speak about the way he kind of expects the city to rally around, it can sound a little naive, like that people would just respond rationally to the idea that they all have to take some cuts and they all have to pay up. He didn't expect to get sued for his 200-page plan. I don't think so, but he certainly was getting sued by a couple people. And when I talked to him, the signs of stress were very clear. Like Unkovic told me this job is very emotionally draining. He has trouble sleeping. He wakes up at 4 in the morning and he can't get back to sleep. He's thinking about problems that have come up with the city finances. But he deals with it. He does vinyasa yoga. He drives back to Philly on the weekends to see his family. And... 
Hannah, when I left Harrisburg, I had no idea what was about to happen next. Like, I thought this was the end of the story. I actually did a story for the radio about, you know, it was kind of a profile of this guy who's fighting to save Harrisburg. But then I got a phone call and I heard that Unkovic had kind of snapped. Okay, so Zoe, this is where it gets really crazy. Walk us through what happened. So remember the lawsuit, right, to get him out of the city. Two weeks ago, there was a hearing. And afterwards, he walks out of the court and there's a bunch of reporters on the street. And when I heard the tape of what he says to them, I almost didn't recognize him. Like this man that I had hung out with and spent a bunch of time with, he's a diplomacist. He didn't have an unkind word for anyone. People were complaining in the court today about uh, about potholes in the or not potholes, but sinkholes in the streets. And I, I put in my plan. There's a paragraph in the front part of the plan that directly connects these problems with the incinerator to these holes in the street. They're all connected. Um, all these all this moving around of money, all these transactions that were done that weren't proper. Um, have consequences. Uh, it was. It's basically a house of cards, and the cards are coming down, and they're coming down now, and they're all coming down at the same time. Then last week, Unkovic gave a press conference to just a few reporters, and he's shaking, he's vehement, he's sweaty, and he just starts naming names, people who had been involved in the financing around the incinerator and, and taking out those loans that you'd really just need a hope and a prayer to be able to pay back. Like some of the sketchy stuff he was he had been, as soon as he got there that he started finding out about. You know, so he names a lobbyist for the county. He names a state senator. And, of course, he names the former mayor, Stephen Reed. I'm just trying to do the best I can. All I know is I'm dealing with a lot of public officials who have lots of agendas. And they're pushing their agendas. And so what choice do I have? To sit there and do nothing and watch this plan deteriorate and have this city go into financial chaos? Um, Or am I going to um, fight back, which is what I'm doing? And I'm not enjoying it. I don't want to have these conversations about people um, in public. But... Uh, These people are are pushing things that are not in the best interest of this city. I'm trying to do what's in the best interest of the city, and I'll continue to do so. But two days later, very early last Friday morning, Unkovic takes a single page of his stationery. The upper left-hand corner is his little logo, Office of the Receiver. He takes a pen and he scrawls this letter. It's barely legible. And he walks the letter over to the courthouse. I have a copy right here. This is what it says. Dear Judge Ledbetter, please accept my resignation as receiver for the city of Harrisburg. I have done my best to use my powers as receiver to bring fiscal stability to the city of Harrisburg. However, I find myself in an untenable position in the political and ethical crosswinds, and am no longer in a position to effectuate a solution. I wish the citizens of the city of Harrisburg well in their ongoing quest for fiscal stability and good government, both of which they truly deserve. And with that, David Unkivik disappears. He's gone. His one assistant is no longer answering the phone, and I think he's just fled the city. I've called, I've texted, I've emailed him a bunch of times. I can't get hold of him. Wait, so who is actually in charge of Harrisburg right now? Right now. I don't know. None of us really know who's in charge of the money. Of the capital of Pennsylvania. That's right. 
So they did all of this. Like the whole idea of bringing Unkivik in was that they could avoid going to bankruptcy court. Like he was going to write this 200-page plan and they wouldn't have to go to bankruptcy court, which is something you don't want to do as a municipality because if you go to bankruptcy court, things get messy, people fight, and everybody who lends the city money sees that and doesn't want to lend the city money anymore. They get cut off. But you know what? The city of Harrisburg all this time, I think they really wanted a fight People there are very mad about the way this whole thing has gone down. And they kind of want to go into bankruptcy and fight with the creditors, fight with the people who made these loans. And, I mean, Unkovic, maybe he should have seen that coming. I mean, even Abraham Lincoln knows sometimes you have to go to war. So leave me in the cold Wait until the snow covers me up So I cannot as always, let us know what you think. Send us an email, planetmoney at npr.org. And go to the blog, npr.org slash money, to find all kinds of stuff about the lobbying coverage that Alex and Andrea Seabrook have been working on. It's really fascinating and awesome. Find us on Facebook and Twitter. I'm Hannah Jaffe-Walt. And I'm Zoe Chase. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.